welcome back to yet another fun and uh, extremely intermittent uh, <laughs> episode of uh, Bored to Death, uh, a board gaming and tabletop podcast. Uh, I'm John. I'm Kayla. And uh, yeah, welcome back. It's been a while because, you know, we've been busy with surviving the pandemic. So if you're also surviving, hey. Good job. Welcome to the suck. Yeah, it's been it's been a blast. Yeah. But uh, schedule's rearranging and changing and stuff, so we're going to be able to spend uh, more time as a married couple, and that's fun, outside <laughs> of the gaming life. So, uh, yeah. Well, which also allows for more time to play games. Yeah. We've been a little lacking in time to play games because of your work schedule. Yep, 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 yep. So here we are. I never leave the house, so... Nope, and I come home with a soggy face from morning mask all day, so that's fun. A soggy face, that's... That should be like your wrestling name or something. Soggy Face. Just sounds like a shitty rapper name. Well, maybe your next career is a rapper. Highly unlikely. Worst rapper ever. For, For sure. Real. I saw you dance yesterday. It's so pretty bad. It was, I wasn't even drunk. It was rough. Mm-hmm. Maybe dr- drunk you would have been would have been an improvement. So This is true. More rhythm. <laughs> Which is weird. But anywho, if uh, this is the first time you're hanging out with us, uh, thanks. Uh, we talk about board games and tabletop stuff and, and dice and components and the the fun times we have with just the two of us lately. Yeah. Because, uh... Yeah, you know, we're obviously not inviting anyone over to our house because... Please stay away. Yeah, pretty much. But uh, en- enough of the real world stuff that's really sad. Uh, we come back to you guys with... Um, some more topics, and this focus is going to be all about rules. Rules. Everyone loves rules. They're made to not be broken when you play board games, because breaking rules sucks. In a game, because it makes you a cheater. Sometimes, if you do it on purpose. Yeah, and if you don't do it on purpose, it just makes you feel like a dumbass. Yeah, that too. That's not great. That's not a good feeling either. So, um, yeah, we're talking about pretty much whatever is written inside of that handy-dandy booklet that comes with the box of a whole bunch of pretty shit that you just bought from your game store. Hopefully it's pretty. I mean, if it's not pretty, it's your fault you bought the game. You were literally able to see what is inside of it. The components can suck, but most stuff is pretty. But it should be pretty. Yeah. At the very least. Vaguely aesthetically pleasing, even if it's not, like, the most gorgeous thing you've seen. Vaguely aesthetically pleasing. Mm -hmm. That's, That's what they've said about me. Yeah, pretty much. In the past. Mm -hmm. Vaguely aesthetically pleasing. (laughs) (laughs) We can't really define it, but we know it's at least a little bit. At least a little bit. Exactly. But yeah, so basically we're going to talk about anything from setup, taking your turn, how the game plays, and the game end in that booklet that that comes in there. Sometimes it's not even a booklet. It's an actual fucking book. Yeah, sometimes you're like... You get things, and it's like, oh, welcome to the religion of this game. And it's just like a Bible and symbols and hieroglyphs and learning basically a new language of what you have to do to either co-op or compete to finish this son of a bitch. Yeah, we've had some where we pull it out, and we're we're ready to sit down and play for the first time, and you pull out a fucking D&D handbook. And I'm like, nah, I'll put it back. Like, I'm not what, doing what this. What have we done? We've traded money in for this. Yeah, I gave somebody money to give me a chore. What the fuck? But, yeah, for the most part, um, we're a lot of the stuff that we say here is, I mean, everything we say is subjective, right? Like, <laughs> You mean, wait, you mean that podcasts aren't necessarily complete fact? I mean, they can be. Yeah, but, I mean, anybody can publish a podcast. That's true. So, thanks for listening to our subjective-ass podcast. 
but yeah. Um, you know, we we always feel like we have the uh, at least amongst our circle of uh, tabletop gaming friends probably the most eclectic variety of games, and I feel like. Step one is knowing what you're in for mm-hmm. when you're buying a game. And it's like, it doesn't just have to be the mechanic, right? Like, for the most part, when we go to a game store, right, we know what kind of, like, feel we're looking for, for looking oh, for theme. more of, like, a theme or something that's more tactile or a specific mechanic. We know what we're going in for, but we're not game designers, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we're, we were talking about this uh, earlier when we were playing games this week. I'm like, how do people come up with this shit? Like, my, I do not have that part of my brain that is creative mm-hmm. in that way. And I'm thankful for game designers. But, holy shit, some of these people need to take some, like, literary writing lessons or, like... Well, who, sometimes the folks they've hired to write their rules aren't the right people. Like, I think, I actually think my dream job would be being a technical writer for... That's what I meant, technical um, writing. For board games and mm-hmm. like, because I I feel like I spend a lot of my life, both personally and professionally, explaining things to people. Yeah. And so, I think it's something I could be good at, and so, and so that's why I get so frustrated when a rule book just feels like utter garbage. Like yeah. this is it wasn't it shouldn't be this hard, right? Because you think about it, anytime you teach a game to somebody, you're kind of writing your own. You're not writing your own rules, but you're you're moving the rules around in a way that makes sense to you. Yeah. Right? Like, to a certain extent. And, and a lot of it is... Now in the day and age of, like, the, like, everything being digital, you should be able to find rules before you buy something, right? Like, you don't have to be as thorough as we are sometimes when it comes to, like what's going to make the most sense and we don't want to be frustrated by bad rules right like we've Mm -hmm. been in those scenarios over and over and over again so if you feel like you don't want to go down that same path of like what does this even mean then just look up the rules online most most places are going to have pdf versions or the written rules right on their websites yeah even before we started uh before well while we were talking about what we what we were going to discuss today, I was I was just looking up most of our board game collection to see if most of the major like publishing companies had their rules online, and you can find pretty much every every board game rule book on their website. Yeah, we didn't have any problems with finding anything, even some of the more more obscure stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think you know it's weird to be like yeah, go to a board game shop. Pick up a game, and if you think you're interested, look up the rule book online. It's kind of weird, I think. Like, it feels weird to say that. But the last time that we went to um, a board game shop, we weren't sure if a game was going to alter its rules a lot for two players. And so we literally stood in the store and read the rules on our phone before we bought the game. Yeah, and a lot of that just comes with, like just knowing what you're getting into in the different kinds of games. Like, if a game looks really big and it has, like, a higher player count where it's, like, two to six players, sometimes it does alter things for just two people because they want you to experience the bigger game, but sometimes they add, like, 
they add like a, a essentially a, a non-playable character that sits in for somebody else or mm-hmm. edits kind of different mechanics. So that's why stuff like that is specifically important to look for, right? Because you don't want to get like a dumbed down version of a really big game if that's what you're in the mood for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, sometimes just what to look for in a rule book before you buy it is like, does, can I see how this game would look on my table, right? Like, at the end of the day, if I'm just glancing, not everybody's going to read the entire rule book before they buy a $40 game, which is pretty much what we did, which is kind of funny. Yeah. Um, it's, we put a lot of thought in that $40 game versus the $65 game we purchased that day, which is really funny to think about. Yeah, I guess we didn't really look at the other one, did we? We didn't at all, no, which is so funny. Um, but yeah, I mean... Really, if you just Google literally any board game and you put that the board game name and then the phrase board game and rule book, you're going to find everything. Yeah. It's going to take you right there. But like, you shouldn't have to do that kind of homework, right? But if, if you're concerned. If you're concerned. But yeah, a good rule book like, right off the jump is going to show you what it looks like on your table, right? Like I feel like when you open it up, First thing, when, during the setup, mm-hmm. what I love is like the one through whatever number, and it's like one, do this, two, do that, three, do this, and it shows you... It's got picture. It, it, exactly. It shows you what... If it doesn't have a player board, right? Or if it has a player board and then components sit around on the table, what it should look like vaguely, right? Like you could alter things to how it best fits your table or where you want to grab stuff, but mm-hmm. it matters where certain things are on the table in some games. And I shouldn't have to, like, reassemble shit to figure out where things go and how to move things around. Like, that's, like, what feels good to me when you open up a rule book. Yeah, I think, you know, the first thing that I'm looking for whenever I open up a rule book is definitely that setup. And, like, I need to be very clear about which cards, which pawns, which... I don't know, which meeples. Sometimes, you know, some games have, like, seven different meeple types, and you're like, where the fuck do all these people go? Yeah. So I want to see exactly where they go in that picture. And what they look like, right? Like, right off the jump, if you're, like, we played uh, Dead Men Tell No Tales earlier, Mm -hmm. and certain cards look the same, and certain tokens look the same, so you want to make sure, and, and mistakes happen, right? So one of the first things we do when we get a new game is to count all the components to make sure that when we open the box and we start punching out pieces or taking mm-hmm. things out of baggies or cracking open packs of cards, you have the correct count, right? Mm-hmm. And if I can't tell one deck from another or what this component or token is from another, it makes it so much more difficult to be able to find what you need when you're playing or um, or anything else in that where it's like you're trying to just lay out the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, plus, you know, you think about it, some games have uh, more obvious setups versus others, which are a little bit more, like, free-flowing, I guess, right? Like, if a game comes with a board, you've got a lot of obvious places for things to go. But other games that are more, like, card-based, even simple, uh, simpler games like Star Realms... There's, I mean, I know that they made a play, a play mat to come with that yeah, eventually. To, sol- to solve the problems that they saw coming with players. Yeah, 
But, like, games like that, you know, it's not completely obvious how it's supposed to be set up. So when I open the rules, I want the rules to tell me how it should look Mm -hmm. in, like, an ideal situation. Yeah. But remember the first time we played Smash Up and it was, like, um... You know, you have your main cards, your bases that you're fighting over. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the the rules were like, yeah, and you'll put your cards here, and then your opponent will put them on their side of the of the base. And I'm like, what the f- what the fuck does this even mean? Like, it took my brain so long. Like, why couldn't you just give me something? And again, now they make play mats mm-hmm. because that was a big problem apparently for other people. Of course, and it gets even more complicated when you're playing with like three or four players and Ugh, whose cards yeah. are whose and who's fighting over things. So that just takes the, the idiot proofs it, right? To mm-hmm. for lack of a better term, it's like you have to assume, hopefully you have to assume as a game designer that people are coming into this not knowing Anything about your game. Yeah. Right? So you want to make it as simple and streamlined to get... It could be a complicated game, right? We play plenty of shit that's very strategy heavy and, you know, complicated. Mm -hmm. But getting people to start playing it without, like, these lofty setups and -hmm. whatnot just makes it more of a pleasant experience in general. Yeah, definitely. I'm thinking a lot about, like, the diagrams that you were describing right like I like when there's a picture of the play area and then in the setup it's got like it says one and then it shows one on the board like Mm -hmm. on that picture of the play area it says it's got the number one and then it gives you the description somewhere else and basically you can just work yourself around yeah the whole thing that's how I like to set things up because my brain works in checklist form so Mm -hmm. that's what works for me I don't know about you yeah, I mean, just just in, like visually in terms of like like I said, making sure everything is where the fuck it's supposed to be. Uh, another thing that I know we we talked about before the episode was like, what are the kind of things that make it easier to recall certain rules and make it so you're not like flipping through a rule book twenty four seven going back and forth, which is fine. Like some things we have like massive reference guides for because of the size of the game. But just like a simple breakdown of like option of things to do in your turn and and how to like break down what you can do and your strategies and stuff and simple reference cards are like the greatest thing ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel very strongly about having a good reference card because I feel like I can't, I I personally can't memorize what my turn order or something like that is supposed to be or like what my options are for a turn. Like um, Saloon Tycoon, if anyone has ever played that, it's a game where you're basically just building your own saloon in the wild, wild west, but you want to have a better saloon than everyone else. And there are so many options for what you can do on your turn. They give you this little reference card. I would never be able to remember what all those, what my possible actions are on my turn without that. Yeah. And and it's not to say that, like, from replaying games, you're not going to memorize certain things. And sure, those reference cards eventually become obsolete if you're replaying things over and over again. But you want to make it, as streamlined as, like, to me, I want rules to make it as streamlined as possible for us to just get in and play. Mm-hmm. I don't want to have to, 
And it's inevitable, right? You're going to have a lot of time getting into a game that you've never played before. But I also don't want to play a game that's like, oh, it's going to be two hours, but really it's four. Because yeah. I have to like, like have this just giant understanding and knowing of these concepts that have never been in my brain before. Yeah, so one of them that has a, one game that we have that has a good, like, quick reference card or guide is Bamuntu. So in Bamuntu, you're basically going around uh, collecting different tiles um, of different animals, and those animals have um, specific abilities. But you want to keep them secret from other people once you've collected it, because it's a set collection kind of game too and so what they did was they created this player shield uh where you hide your tiles behind but on the inside of that shield it says what every what the movement is for each specific tile right so like it tells you exactly what you can do on your turn and exactly what each tile means or does for you and so that's both practical in terms of hiding your shit Mm-hmm. but also makes it so, like, I don't have to ask you across the table from me, what does this character do? Because then that would tell you what I'm thinking. Exactly. And stuff like that, it's like, the rhythm of that game is never going to change, right? Like, they're not rewriting the rules as you're as you're learning it, but it allows you to come back, and even after not playing it for a while, the access of getting back into that specific game, and then kind of... You know, wherever tiles are on the board, because it's always different every game, Mm -hmm. develop strategy and think about where things would move without having to completely relearn the game. Yeah, I feel like we say often between the two of us, when we pull out a game we haven't played for a while, we'll be reading the reference card and one of us will say, this is coming back to me. Right? Because of the reference card or the Mm -hmm. reference guide. And it's just makes it easier for you to pick it back up and start over again. Yeah, and not to say like yeah, does it like if you're not if you're playing with a limited amount of space and everybody has reference cards on the table, does it suck with like that that real estate being taken up by reference cards? Yeah, sometimes, but again, it's better than you know, you're playing with four or five or maybe six people and it's not like a it's not a game where you can take turns at the same time as other people. I could take a turn and then if you and the three other people after me have to go back to the rule book, it really does lengthen the game play for a significant amount of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And then I'd say one of the last things that I think in terms of a quick reference or a card or a guide is having a symbols legend, you know, like when you're reading a map or something and it tells you um, what equals a mile or some shit. But, like, sometimes, like you were saying, learning a new game is learning a new language to a certain extent. And so being able to have a quick a quick check for my eyes to remind me what a symbol means, right? Like, think about in, even in parks, there's not a lot of words written on the action cards, and it's all symbols-based, right? And mm-hmm. so, which is good, but if you forgot something... It's useful to have something to look back to. That's real easy. Yeah. Something that we actually didn't write in our show notes that just kind of came to my brain uh, is the rhythm of pandemic to where they literally tell you exactly what you have to do in each turn. Mm -hmm. So when you're done doing this, then you go move on to the pandemic phase and 
you know, so on and so forth, having the rules written right on the freaking board right. for the rhythm of play and what you do at certain times makes it even easier, right? Because mm-hmm. it's not to say, like, when we're talking about, like, making it simpler, we're not trying to dumb it down for anybody. But just being able to quicken the rhythm of things makes it a, just a much more enjoyable experience, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. Definitely. It just makes it easier, especially, you know, I think we, we've we mentioned how we've played, uh, um, we've been playing Pandemic Legacy, where if you had to sift through that rule book every time a new symbol or a new thing came up, my God, you never put that game away. Yeah, and we and we've actually messed up a couple of things in Pandemic Legacy. Not but even, that many. No, but just the one thing with the uh, the unstable cities. Remember the first time? Oh we played? yeah, yeah. And even the rule books, like, hey, you big dumb fucking idiot. It doesn't matter all that much because you're having fun, right? <laughs> right. I know. Keep, I, I, keep buying our stuff. You know what? While we're at it, things I like in rule books are rule books that don't take themselves too goddamn seriously. Yeah. Like, you know, you're playing a board game, right? This is really not a make or break in terms of, you know, the stability of the earth. Mm-hmm. So, I'm here for that. Yeah, uh, one of the funniest rule books I could think of in, like, most recent memory is The Networks, which mm-hmm. is it's just, like, kind of slapstick humor and, and stuff like that. But which is pretty much the whole game. Yeah, which is not going to age well. Oh, it's going to age terribly. Because it's just making, it's like, you're building your own competing TV network against somebody else and buying up stars and ads and shows. Well, let's just go ahead and have a moment about owning a TV network. Yeah. We don't even we don't even watch cable. Nope. This the whole premise is almost too old for us. Yep. So but we bought the game. But we bought the game because I I mean I think the game is great. I yeah. love the game. But I'm just saying the premise of the game will not work for people much younger than us. No, really so, won't. There's that. All right. Well, John, you're always you always have pet peeve. You're always frustrated about something. Yeah, pretty What's much. Your, it's my state of being. What's your biggest pet peeve in a rule book? All right, so um, we have a whole list here. All of these are pretty much my biggest John, pet peeves. you're not supposed to let them in on the on our secrets. Oh. You're not supposed to tell them we have a list prepared. This is just a conversation we're having. I mean, yeah, but God, we, we've run them down, too. I said show notes earlier. I know. You're giving away all the trade secrets. I mean. Whatever. Just read our list, John. <laughs> welcome to our podcast. Nothing is scripted. <laughs> Anywho, uh, rules that wait until the end to tell you what changes based on the number of players. This is a biggie when it comes to gaming during the pandemic right now, right? So if you're a responsible adult and your house size is small and you don't invite people over because you don't want to kill them with the plague, yeah, usually it's just you and I. Mm-hmm. So we want to buy a game that has the same kind of experience regardless of the player size. Specifically for us, right? Yeah. If you want to buy a game that is smaller for just two people and then gets longer for for others, it's fine. But if you buy a game and the rules don't tell you that, and you you it, to me, it almost feels like you're getting a cheaper product, mm-hmm. right? Because now I have to wait, or we have to wait until we have a larger game circle to enjoy the full experience of this, mm-hmm. like. That, that's pretty shitty. Well, also, in that same vein, though, is, like, when the rules wait until the end of setup or the end of the rule book to tell you that you should have taken these three cards out. Yep. Or you should have be using these 
four meeples instead of ten. Or things like that when you've already spent two hours reading rules and then you get to the end and it's like, hey, fuck you. Um, we need you to go back through these decks that you've shuffled seven times yeah. and pull out these four specific cards because they're going to fuck up your whole experience. That pisses me off. Yeah, and there's a few games, like, we've had problems with that. Like, the networks actually did that to mm-hmm. us. And it's a great game. But, you know, always make sure, like, when you're setting stuff up, like, flip to the very end or, like, if there's an area that says game variants and stuff like that, that's one... Hundred percent, something you should look like look for, you know. Aside from, or if it says it plays two to five people, but it's going to add some weird mechanic that changes the game, and it's mm-hmm. really not the kind of full experience as you would play with two or three. So, yeah, just just stuff to look out for. Yeah. So similarly, you know, we kind of touched on this a little bit before with the setup. But I really hate when the rule books don't show you what the components look like, but then they reference a specific piece of it later in the rules. So, like, sometimes if there are multiple decks of cards, uh, but they don't, but they all have the same exact backside. Yep. It becomes very difficult to know which ones are which deck unless they showed you specifically what they look like. Mm-hmm. So, I hate that because... Pandemic is guilty of that. Pandemic is for sure guilty of that. Um, and so, just just show me what the fuck you're talking about. And I would say, uh, probably my biggest pet peeve. Use inclusive pronouns, you dumb pieces of shit. If you're it's writing, the easiest one to it fix. Re- it really is. It's like, the easiest one out of all of them. Listen, you don't have to say on his turn every time. You really don't. You could say on their turn, on your turn. You don't have to say he or she. It's such a a minute language thing. Yeah, and here's the thing. I'm even, sometimes, given that some of these rules were written further back, I'm even willing to give a pass every now and again for if it'll say she slash he, right? When it can just, it can just be there. Yeah. It doesn't have to. But, like, even, obviously, that's me giving a pass because we've come further than that. But nothing, when it just says his turn, his turn, he goes here, blah, blah, fuck you. Yep, and we just played Dead Men Tell No Tales today, and it did that. Well, we played, we even played Takenoko yesterday, and that's one of my favorite games. And I was, I there was one rule clarification that I was looking up, and it also did it. I'm like... This game is so fucking cute. And now you just... Now I feel angry. Yeah. It's just something simple. Like... It's the easiest thing to fix. Mm-hmm. It's... You know what? It's just Command F. And then you can replace. Yeah. It's really... Send it to me. I'll do it for you for free. At least for now until I can make a career out of it. Yeah. So... Send me your rules. I'll fix all your pronouns. Make them inclusive. But for money. Yeah, eventually. Don't do it for free. I mean, listen, if it means that it gets done for at least a little while so everyone feels like they're included, I'll do it for free for the time being. But after a few times, if you're a writer and this is what you're fucking up, I'm going to find a way to get you fired. We'll come for your job. I will come for your job. Karen. Anywho. I don't Uh, think it's Karen. Karen, I don't think. Chad. (laughs) Is that that a chat? Don't you remember when I made that Facebook post? Uh, after I'd been at Starbucks one day, and I said, "What's the male equivalent of a Karen?" And there it was, was a, unanimously a Chad. I think right? it was Chad, but 
but there was, I do, I think I have one Facebook friend whose name was Karen, and Karen was upset about my post, and I was like, I didn't say it, but I was like, are you really upset about Yo, kind of fuck you, Karen. <laughs> Anywho, uh, we're, we're not totally negative and pessimistic here. Uh, we think that there are things that work great with rules, um, and I guess we'll kind of uh, be positive after we're negative. Right, so uh, we we did touch on um, pictures that set up uh, for setup and components, right? Making sure that everything is labeled so it's completely idiot proof, and I know where things go and what they look like. But telling us how to completely take a turn before you deep dive into what the rules mean and the strategy and all these things just feels good, right? Because you felt strongly about this, so I'm gonna let you go off. Yeah, like, I, I want to know what the rhythm of the gameplay is before I know what the the minute, minute like, simple or complex mechanics are, right? Mm-hmm. I want to know what I have to do and when I have to do it and how my turn starts, what I do, and when my turn ends before I even get into, like, the symbol of this and when this happens, this happens. Like, I just want to know a rhythm. I want to know what I'm getting into and how it feels and what happens after I'm done and when it becomes your turn. Sure. Like to me, it just that that just it's like a blanket. It feels good. It's warm. It's cozy. It's like a blanket. That that to me just feels good about rules. You're funny. That's a blanket. Yeah, I mean, I uh, we were we were discussing this a little bit beforehand, um, and and I half agree with you. Because I think it's useful to know what your turn is, but I also need to understand the overall dynamic of the game and what the goal is, right? Like, if you just start explaining my turn to me without telling me what the purpose of my turn is. Yeah, but that could be included, too. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, like, there's there's a balance there. Like, I don't want to go into what happens when my character dies before I understand what my turn is, right? So I'm thinking about when we were playing... Dead Men Tell No Tales today. It started off and it told us about our turn. Um, and then, you know, towards the end of the rules, it says what happens if your character dies. And I was like, listen, we don't even need to go into the details of my character dying until my character dies. Yeah, spoiler alert, we didn't die. We didn't die. We won. Yeah. We got it. But yeah, so there's a weird balance of I need to understand the overall flow of the game to know where my turn fits in. But I don't need to know what happens when my character dies immediately, right? Like True. I need to know that there are there's something that will happen. But I'm not I don't need to know every detail about what to do when my character dies before we even started playing the game. True. So, I respect that. There you go. So, uh as rules can be completely confusing and devastating to your psyche, <laughs> uh some shit you're never going to be able to learn or understand. Uh, without a little bit of help, so uh, uh, what you're um, what you're gonna do when you're confused or lost? I feel like that's like a big help because prior to like the age of the internet and being able to find things online, just banging my legs say, on the desk. Why are you making biggie, so much noise? Just fucking shit up. <laughs> um, I think one of the best things to do is just like video tutorials, right? We are never gonna reach that level of commitment with. With anything, right? Like, we do a podcast, we buy games, we 
we hang out at board game shops, right? Like that's our commitment to the hobby. Yeah, you're but, not going to catch us making video tutorials. No, uh, unless wait. you'd like a video of the two of us arguing about how to best teach a game. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we've covered that on the podcast already about how we argue. Yeah, it's horrible <laughs> about this, and all of our friends who've played games with us have experienced one of us sitting there with our with hands over our face while the other one explains something. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we're not making video tutorials anytime soon. Definitely not. You're welcome. But yeah, finding like uh, reviews and like uh, the how tos on YouTube, um, yeah, just just do that. It's probably the the easiest way to go about doing it. And if you bombard the algorithm with how to tutorials with board games, it'll push all the QAnon and neo Nazi stuff mm. way far down into the into the delt like the the, the pits d- of the internet. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Go ahead and do that. You can also just look up online FAQs. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, you you suggested that. I I don't know that I've ever done that. I feel like I'm more likely to do the crowdsourcing aspect, right? Like if you're on the Board Game Geek Facebook group, people ask a lot of questions there sometimes of like rule clarifications or what am I supposed to do when mm-hmm. on certain games. And I'll just use the search function. In there, if I'm confused. That's true. Even some rules, and like if you have like a second edition printing of something or mm-hmm. updated rules, and you'll have like uh, frequently asked questions in the back, where usually it's like, "Hey, we completely fucked up writing this the first time. So if you have a question clarification for this, then uh, yeah, here it is." There you go. Yeah, and then of course the worst case scenario is play how you want to fucking play. Yeah. Make, make a house rule if you want. We yeah, do that. We almost did that until we, uh, until we realized what we had fucked up. Um, and we just picked up tapestry. Yep. And that is a very strategy heavy game, and uh, just a lot going on, and a lot, of, lot to learn, and and different things to do. And they actually do it very well, where um, they have a massive just reference guide of what each space on the board does and the mechanic based on that space alone mm-hmm. and then on the opposite side is all the different cards and what the cards do and and how it works with the game so th- that's good like they didn't have to just yeah. bombard a rule book with that yeah but that wasn't your point your point was playing how you want to play house rules yeah but like we we messed something up and we realized what we'd messed up but when when we were initially playing it i feel like the way we were playing wasn't detrimental to the enjoyment of the game Mm-hmm. Just, yeah, we just realized we were messing it up, and so we played it again the next day and played it correctly, and we were like, yeah, this flow makes way more sense than what we were doing. And I still got wrecked. You still got wrecked. Yeah. I love that. I officially love that game. It's my game now. It's pretty. Mm-hmm. Very well, no, pretty. I'm just good at it. That's it's true pretty, too. too, but like I, I crushed you, so oh, it's fine. That's mean. What are you going to do? It happens. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, that's uh, that's basically like our our rundown for rule stuff. Um, what would you say is like your favorite? Like, what what was your favorite like learning experience with rules? Like, what was like the most streamlined? Like, how do you like? What was your favorite game to learn? I actually think my favorite game to learn. You know, we shit on it a little bit, uh, but the networks was one of my favorite games to learn, and the reason is that. As you were going through and reading the rules, the rules actually said, hey, stop here, play the round, 
the first round of the game, how we just described it, and then come back to the rules for things that will change in the next round. And I appreciated that flow. Because it and, got you right into playing. Yeah, it, I you read the first little bit of rules. You didn't. We maybe spent a half hour, and then it was like, all right, get the fuck into this, get playing, dumbasses. And so we did. And I feel like I understand the flow of that game so well because of them. Yeah, I would say just because it's more recent in in games that we picked up, but Pan Am was mm. easy to learn because it it explained exactly what your options were and what the spaces on the board did. It limited the amount of things you could do on the board right off the jump, so it was easier to digest and get into. And then um, it literally, step by step, this is like when you're executing your abilities, it starts here and then moves to a different spot and moves to a different spot. There there was a specific rhythm based with everything. That Mm -hmm. way you weren't it was a it was a lot less open ended, right? To where some of the games like Tapestry is like, oh well, you have a nonlinear uh, player turn, and you're going to be ending the game on your turn versus uh, like your game will end different than somebody else's. So it was a lot more structured, and I appreciated that. And it just wasn't overly complicated while still having a lot of choices and strategy to be able to win. Sure, sure. That makes sense. And, like I said, I like a little humor. Yeah. And that's part of why the Networks one really spoke to me. It's just funny. And it's like, it just knows. It knows that it's funny, and I appreciate that. But I agree. I think Pan Am was a good, was a good rule book um, for the sim- similar reasons. It allowed you to get right in. Mm. Well, before we uh, get out of here at the end of our episodes, we like to talk about uh, all the things that we've been watching, playing, listening to, doing. Reading. Reading. Yeah. So, you know, we're all watching a lot of TV these days, I feel like, and uh, we have officially watched every single episode of Guy's Grocery Games on Hulu, so shout out to us. Come fight me. It's a great, it's a great show. I'm convinced that Guy Fieri is literally the most wholesome American that's ever existed in wow. the history of anybody. All right, bold statement. Not, not, not the best um, American, just the most wholesome. <laughs> He's, I've, you've never like most celebrities, fucking all these ass clowns. You see them online have like a meltdown or just be a complete like douchebag. You've never seen that from Guy Fieri. Ever. Yeah. Ever. And what's his job? His job is literally going around to these hole-in-the-wall, not-known restaurants across America and sometimes Mexico. There was a few episodes he was hanging out in Spain. He was in Italy, I think, mm-hmm. at one point. Like, And just highlighting all these places that you've never heard of going, wow, this is amazing food. You should eat here. Whenever you come here, give them your money. They're amazing people. Yep. I'm here for it. I'm not... Obviously, we've spent a lot of hours watching watching Guy Fieri on our TV, so I'm not opposed. And then Guy's Grocery Games is literally just him and his friends hanging out cooking, and then they also bring in people from, like, the restaurants that they've traveled right. to to compete, and then you just hand out money in, like, a supermarket sweep-style fucking end of the show. Which, we gave the new soap supermarket sweep... A valid try. God damn, was it stupid. Oh, I hated it so much. I was like, why are all these people yelling? I, everybody is yelling. Everybody is running. Everybody's making bad jokes. I just, I wanted to like it. Yeah. I really did. 
the host of that show seemed like she'd done a lot of cocaine like five minutes prior to filming, and then she's just screaming at the cameraman. I mean, maybe she was just as bored by the job as what we were by the show, and that's what she was doing Yeah. to make it tolerable for herself, which, you know what, to each of their own. In all honesty, too, like, yo, we know the pandemic sucks. You don't have to, like, reinvent game shows to, like, placate people. They yeah, definitely this, this filmed that. This was filmed that. during COVID, and I say that because we saw... Like, the camera guy. They had so many cameras on these contestants who were not masked, but all these camera folks were wearing masks when they would zoom out and you would see them running around. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're telling me the contestants are fine and we're just going to assume that they've been doing everything right but the camera people got to put their lives on the line for supermarket sweep? Are you out of your fucking mind? Also, like, she was really mean to, like... She was really mean. <laughs> to the to the guy who was always... The, the guy who was the security guard yeah. in, in the supermarket. And she's like, get the fuck out of here, you worthless piece of shit. And he's like, womp, womp, and just walks away. I was like, yo, this isn't funny. Like, you wouldn't talk to, like, somebody in public like that. I think you're just... You're a little sensitive about somebody cursing at a security guard. So there's that. Yeah, maybe. Based on your personal experience. Yeah, maybe. But anyway. We're also watching Gilmore Girls. That's Hey, as a dude watching Gilmore Girls, shut the fuck up if you've never watched it. It's funny as shit. It probably has some of the best writing I've uh, witnessed in a TV show. And it's uh, it's a parent treating their child with love. So, fuck you. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. I've only watched it approximately 7,000 times. And I'm glad to be glad to have a partner in watching it this time around. So. Yeah. I've watched it twice in lockdown, and this is my third go-around in lockdown, so... Fantastic characters, really good writing. Uh, there's a season you don't like, but I don't think we've gotten there yet. No, it's at the end. Yeah. Anyone who has watched it, season seven is the worst season of them all. So. We're in season four. Yeah, you got plenty of time for it. Like, it's still fine, but it's definitely the worst season. Yeah. And then, uh, drunkenly... A few nights ago, we decided we'd start rewatching How I Met Your Mother for some ungodly reason. Even though we know how it ends, and it's and not it going to be terribly. good. But, hey, and The Office is going to be off Netflix in like a week, so got to so wean bad. ourselves off of that. I don't know what we're going to do. It's going to be bad. We're going to just sign up for Peacock or some shit, aren't no, we? No, we're not. Maybe we already have access cause through, the, through Xfinity. We'll just try. Maybe. Um, well, I've read... Uh, I finished one book in the last week. It's a book called Mexican Gothic, which it takes place in the 50s in Mexico. And it's basically about this house. This woman, like, this woman, her cousin got married, moved out into the country, basically. And she gets a letter from her cousin that says, things are not good, I need your help. So she goes from Mexico City to the country, and this house is fucking crazy. And it's basically a whole a haunted house story in Mexico. And it's fucking great. Real fast read. You can read it in a day or two. I love it. Sounds good. Yeah, I read that. Really good. One of the, like, top-rated horror books of the year, actually. It's a new release this year. Um, So it only took six fucking months for the library to get it to me, but everything is fine. That's fine. Uh, I didn't have to pay for it. Still got faster. Still got to you faster than we've been getting mail. Yeah, so so there's that. Thanks, library. Uh, and I've also been reading uh, Midnight Sun, which is the latest book in the Twilight series, and it's fucking great. I'm not. I'm halfway through it. I'm gonna have to hopefully. Hopefully, the library will let me renew it because it's a long book. Really? It's like, yeah, 
It's really long. It's like 600 pages on my Kindle. Holy shit, and I'm I didn't halfway know that. Through, and that's what that's why I was giving you shit yesterday when I said you kept me from reading all day. I'm sorry for taking off days from work. I know, you really should be. Um, but yeah, it's real long. Hopefully the library will let me renew it. Otherwise, I'm just going to have to go buy a copy because I can't if they don't let me renew it, I'm going to have to figure it out. Yeah. And I, I was uh, catching up on the Walking Dead comics for a while, and then I kind of fell off that for a little bit, and now I just hate watch, or hate read news. So mm-hmm. it's fun. And memes. Yeah. So there you go. But yeah, we've been, in terms of video games, I didn't even put this on the list, but we've been playing Among Us fucking constantly. Yeah, it's been uh, like at least a once a week kind mm-hmm. of rhythm with a whole bunch of friends and, and stuff like that. I know... Uh, it came out like last year, or the year before, but like, really? yeah, it's a pretty old game, but it gained popularity for obvious reasons this year with right. everyone playing online and whatnot. But it was, uh, some, some people's like, uh, multiplayer game of the year for like game, like game awards and stuff. Shit. I didn't know that. Yeah. Whatever. We actually, we play it in an Xbox party with our friends. Yeah. Which I just think is funny. Yeah, some you know, we all get into an Xbox party and, and with our headsets and, and use that as a chat room because not everybody has PCs. And then some people play on PC. We play on our iPads. Some people play on phones. It's mm-hmm. I like it because it's it's an accessibility thing, right? Well, some you, people play it on Switch. Yeah. So, like, we don't ha- like you don't have to all have the same exact device, mm-hmm. right? Because it's, it sucks when not everybody is able to buy into the same platform to be able to play certain things. Toads. But yeah, and Cyberpunk just came out. Do not play that shit on old gen consoles. We were We very, do have we have Series Xs. We, yeah, we, we we haven't recorded since we got our Series Xs. Yeah, we 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 were fortunate enough to uh fucking just bang on that refresh button on Amazon and and Best I got my Buy on Best Buy, yeah. So we were fortunate enough to get the pre-orders and get our two Series Xs, but do not play that shit on old-gen consoles. I heard it runs... Terribly. Yeah, but good game. Having a lot of fun with it. Mm-hmm. I got my upgraded gorilla arm, so I don't even use guns anymore. I literally just run around and beat people to death with my fists. Naturally. Because I'm a, I'm a cyber thug. Cyber thug. Yeah. All right. And then uh, Call of Duty, because that's the main one that we've been playing together. Yeah, I mean, it's like the only multiplayer game that we've been playing. That yeah. we've been playing, so. And then I just bought Sekiro because it's on sale. So, there you if go. you're into from software games like Dark Souls and I'm Bloodborne, not play that game. you're not. No, but play that game. It was on sale, so I got it. I support you. Yeah. But yeah, uh, I know you guys uh, are listening to this probably uh, after your long holiday weekend and stuff like that, but we had a board game marathon on Christmas, and that oh, was yeah. a lot of fun. We crush it. Overall, I won. I won the day. D- did you go? We played. We started with Istanbul Dice. You won Istanbul Dice. Um, then we played Space Park. I won Space Park. Then we played Stone Age. I won Stone Age. We played Bosk. You won Bosk. We played Takenoko. I won Takenoko. We played Tapestry. You won Tapestry. And then we played Bears and the Bees. And who won best two out of three with Bears and the Bees? You did, but then we played Rummy. And then you won Rummy, and then Dead Men Tell No Tales was a co-op game we, we both be, won. We must be missing something. I definitely won yesterday. I don't, I don't, I think we're tied. It's bullshit. Yeah. No, in my brain I won, so. That's fair. That's all that really matters. Yep, and then uh, today we uh, slept in a little bit, woke up, and then we played Dead Men Tell No Tales. 
mm-hmm. which is a game that we had played a couple times before, and the rules just didn't make a whole lot of sense to us. And that's why we're like, oh, we should do a rules episode today. Yeah, because we realized that the game actually isn't that complicated. And it was we like... We just didn't understand the rules. Yeah, and it was like early on when we were in our board game journey. Well, we were early on in our board game journey when we bought that game, and you were buying literally any game that had a pirate theme. Yeah. And so that's how we got that. That's... You you were just buying any game that was like, hey, pirates. We only have two pirate games now. We got more than that. Which ones? I don't know. I'd have to go through the there's list. There's Dead Men Tell No Tales and Isleband. I think there's more than that. Remember Sea of Clouds? Yeah, but I don't shit? count that because it's in our pile to give away. I don't count that. Yeah, but like, it's still a pirate game and you bought it because it was a pirate game. And it sucked ass. And that's what you get for just buying a game without looking at the rule book. Fair enough. Ha <laughs> ha. Put uh, a nice little bow. On this one. Yeah. And then aside from that, recent additions to our ever-growing family. Um, God. Family. That's funny. Cheaper than babies. Uh, we bought uh, High Rise, Pan Am, and Tapestry. So uh, give quick rundowns of each. High Rise, you are building up a city. Uh, In a corrupt city. Uh, so if you go through and play by the rules of everything that you're doing in High Rise, you will lose the game. You have to... Uh, Literally take negative points uh, through corruption to do certain tasks that allow you to build outside of certain districts or take certain turns or build higher than you are in certain areas Mm -hmm. to gain more points. Because if you don't, you will lose the game. Totes. And Pan Am is super fucking cool. This was the one we were saying we were concerned that the rules were going to change for two players. Um, But basically... Uh, you manage, you run an airline that is a competitor to Pan Am, and you go into it knowing that uh, Pan Am is going to be buying out your airline. And so you're trying to claim routes, um, claim different airline routes, and then uh, basically sell them to Pan Am for a profit, and then buy stock in Pan Am. So at the end of the game, whichever airline has the most stock in Pan Am, which has conveniently bought up almost the entire map by the end of the game, that person wins. Yeah. So it's just kind of a weird... It's similar... I feel like it now that we're explaining them side by side, like the idea of taking corruption uh, in High Rise or like taking negative points is kind of similar in Pan Am in that you're, you know, you're going big with the hopes of being able to sell bigger. Yeah. Kind of thing. True. And uh, the artwork and the aesthetic is really pretty. It's all like 1980s themed. And uh, I think it's the 80s, isn't it? I think it might be earlier than that. Maybe the 60s or 70s? I think so. I'm not 100% sure. The world map is super cool looking. It reminds me a lot of Ticket to Ride. Mm-hmm. The way you're, the way you're laying down different uh, planes to complete routes and stuff. It's quite possibly like one of the most aesthetically cool games we've gotten in a while. Yeah, and there's different... Airplanes are different sizes. Based and on... you need a bigger airplane to collect a longer route. Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of cool to have different... So, like, they're really high-quality airplanes. Yeah. Uh, and then, finally, probably the... I wouldn't say the longest or more most complex game we've gotten, but one of the, like, the larger purchases that we put off for a while and then we lucked out with a game sale from one of our local shops and we kind of we finally pulled the trigger is uh tapestry mm-hmm. which is a civilization building game uh you're starting out as like uh, a fledgling civilization 
and uh, each uh, game you start out with a specific like civilization that has a specific game mechanic and you're trying to progress on different tracks like military civilization science and exploration exploration and gain different tiles to complete on your map there's a it's there's a lot going on i think we're gonna have to do a specific review episode just for that because we enjoyed it so much i know it's not a new game Mm -hmm. but just to delve into like the different kind of mechanics because it plays differently than anything else we we have Mm -hmm. and we played it twice since we bought it last week and totes we'll probably play it again tomorrow and the components (laughs) are beautiful yeah it's a gorgeous game so and and you know while we're talking about rule books the rule book for this game is four pages yeah, it's really not complicated, and the Two rest pages of, front and back. And the rest of the stuff that you're going to learn is all going to be broken down to you in reference guides, mm-hmm. which is great because as things pop up, then you can be like, "Oh, this is how this specific card is going to affect my gameplay." So it gets you right into it. It's a pretty big game. If you can't find it on sale, it is a hundred dollars, yeah. right? So it, there's a hefty price point, but it's partially because the components are. Really high quality. Yep, and it's it's two to five. It's one to five players, mm-hmm. right? So if you're that uh, that person who wants to play games by yourself, uh, we don't understand that's it. Not us. Yeah, we don't quite understand it. But uh, yeah, there's a solo play mechanic, and there's also like a, a shadow player mechanic, to where it's, it plays great with just two people. But it's like, oh, if you want to add like a computerized variant to the game where they do stuff based on what you do in the game, yeah. that's pretty cool. We might, we might give that a go after we've played a few more times. Mm-hmm. So we've kind of got a rhythm. I feel like we've played twice now, and we're both just trying to figure out what strategy works best for us. Yeah. And obviously, you're going to have to work a little harder to get your strategy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rub it in. I will. But, yeah, uh, with that note, you guys can find us all around the internet because that's how uh, society works. And if you're not on the internet, how are you listening to this, you fucking weirdo? Yeah. Uh, yeah, go to com. That's probably the easiest way to go and find all our stiff. Yep. And Instagram is where I like to post all the cool shit that we're doing. That's Bored to Death Podcast. Yep. And we're also on Facebook. Same thing, Bored to Death Podcast. And, uh, yeah, wherever you want to listen to, to podcasts, we're on Stitcher for Android. We're on Apple uh, Podcasts. And we're on uh, Spotify. Spotify. And what's, uh, There's one more that you put Google Play Music. Oh, yeah, Google Play. Which I think is different now because they transitioned to a different thing and I switched it over and I don't remember what it's called now. Might just be Google Music. I don't know. Who's to say? At least you stopped saying iTunes. Well, sorry. I'm just glad. I'm, I'm waiting for the rest of the podcast that I listen to to stop saying iTunes. iTunes has been gone for so long. It really has. That's all. That's all I'm asking. So, yeah. Uh, like and subscribe. Um, share our stuff. <laughs> Uh, that smash that subscribe button. I hate when people you're finger bang the subscribe button. It's like <laughs> no, calm down. Uh, share our stuff. We like interacting with people. If you have any questions about the, our game library or what we enjoy, we fucking love talking about board games, and that's really why we we yeah. made this podcast. And somebody just started messaging me on Instagram. It was so great. It's so nice to talk to somebody. It yeah. was virtual. I don't know. I haven't made new friends in a while, so it was nice to talk to somebody about board games. Yeah, and if you don't have anything nice to say to us, don't do not do it. Don't say it. I mean, I'm going to block you. So. Yeah, we're going to delete the negativity because I have enough of it in my I, life. I, I was going to say, since when? Shh. <laughs> well, until next time, I'm John. I'm Kayla. And this is how we roll.